And welcome to another Slate spoiler special. I'm Marissa Martinelli, an assistant editor here at Slate, and I'm joined in the New York studio today by staff writer Heather Schwedell. Hi, Heather. Hi, Marissa. And joining us by Skype from California is culture writer Ingu King. Hello, Ingu. Hello, hello. This week, we're spoiling Little, starring Regina Hall as Jordan Saunders, the unforgiving, unrelenting head of a tech startup who wakes up one day as the teenage self she spent years trying to forget. Marseille Martin plays young Jordan as she and her long-suffering assistant, April, played by Issa Rae, try to figure out how to make her big again while also saving their company from losing their biggest client. Body-switching movie. How do we feel about body-switching movies? I generally like them. I think it's it's a weird scenario that it's so popular for movies because obviously <laughs> it doesn't happen in real life, but it's great. I, I love big. I love like a revisiting tweenhood, uh, 13 going on 30. And I, I thought that this, I, when I heard the concept for this, I was excited about it. It's a great spin on the, the topic. Even the title, Little, is definitely a nod to the fact that this is a reversal of Big. But it's interesting that this is the less common scenario where you have a child actor playing a grown-up stuck in a child's body as opposed to the reverse. I tend to think of the appeal of movies like this as seeing, you know, Tom Hanks or Jennifer Garner or even more recently in the case of Shazam, Zachary Levi, playing, you know, a kid in an adult body. Ah, but you forget Seventeen again, starring Zac Efron. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are obviously a lot of cases like that, but it tends to be more of a Freaky Friday, usually, where you get a little of each. True. Something I really love about these movies is, um, like, the degree of physical acting that you see in the movies. Um, I think the reason why um, these movies are so fun is because you get to see adult people who are usually amazingly graceful performers um, just like be really super gangly um, and that's just adds like a really good element of fun and I think something that's fun about this movie is that you get to see teenage Marseille Martin sort of carry herself like a 40 year old hyper confident woman and that was something that actually ended up being like a really great element of this. Yeah, and Marseille Martin and Issa Rae have a great chemistry in this movie. So Issa Rae plays April, who is the assistant to first to Regina Hall. And Regina Hall is basically a nightmare boss. She is uh, way beyond Devil Wears Prada. Uh, She demands that her slippers be placed a certain distance from her bed. She comes in, she insults all of her employees, and it's not even in a cold tossed off way like there's some malice behind it yeah she hits people it's kind of shocking watching in light of the um amy klobuchar conversation i'm like oh that's an abusive boss you can't you can't invade people's personal space like that but obviously it's a movie (laughs) but the movie doesn't make us wait to find out why she's like that in fact it opens with a flashback to her childhood where we see the moment that she changed there's no playing coy about it 
Uh, we see her in a flashback giving a presentation in front of the whole school. Uh, it's her talent and it's physics, and she's obviously very bright and very smart. And a uh, bully, like a classic mean girl type, sabotages her experiment, and she winds up having to go to the hospital with what appear to be several broken bones. And her parents tell her that because she's so smart, when she grows up, she'll get to be the boss. The lesson she takes away from that is that when she grows up, she will bully everyone because she will be in charge. Uh, so let's talk about Marseille Martin. So Marseille Martin played a very important role in having this movie uh, made. Ingu, you want to talk about that? So she's a 14-year-old actress on Blackish, where she's very good, but also plays like a very similar character to what she plays here, who is just like kind of this like precociously diabolical character. Um, and essentially, she told her agent, um, I would like to make a movie or I would like to produce a movie. And her agent said, you're too young. And in Marseille Martin's telling of the story, she then fired that agent and then got another agent who would help her make this movie. And now we have this movie. Yeah, she's really great in this movie. I'm, I'm not familiar with Blackish, but it doesn't surprise me that she has this niche. Issa Rae also plays a very similar character in this to her character on Insecure. Yes. And I think it's interesting that in Insecure, she is the main character. And then in this movie, she fell in line so perfectly as the sort of like gawky awkward best friend role that it actually made me appreciate Insecure that much more because I didn't realize like to what extent it had really centered the like Insecure best friend into the spotlight into the main spotlight and so like watching the movie I was like oh like here new dimensions to Insecure like I didn't realize before. She's especially good in the scenes before Jordan becomes little when she's dealing with uh, grown up Regina Hall, who is your typical nightmare boss, and then some, as we've emphasized. So they work for a tech startup where they develop apps and then sell them. It's a little hazy on it's the details. It's pretty confusing. I don't know what company works like that, where they develop the app in-house and then they have to pitch it to the app. To an outsider, there's there's this kind of tech bro that there is their biggest client. So it, I don't know what the the business model is there. Oh, and it's uh, Jordan, the um, Regina Hall's character. It's her company that she started, and it it's kind of all about her. It's even named after her, mm -hmm. which sets up a fun gag at the end of the movie. <laughs> Uh, but April also has aspirations of being a developer, and she has an idea for her own app which is to see the world through the eyes of a child just purely coincidentally right it just so <laughs> happens to also be kind of the theme of the movie um I, I let's talk about the theme of this movie there's a lot made of the fact that children are pure and their true selves and then as adults we put walls up and the movie definitely falls in line with that idea. As someone who was a deeply anxious child, <laughs> I was like, I cannot relate. I do not understand this. Um, but I, I wondered about April's app. Like, would you play or or use that app, which seems to be kind of like a VR in which you can just manipulate reality with your imagination? 
No, because I hated being a child. <laughs> um, I think also no, just because um, I think the idea of seeing the world through the eyes of a child is is cool theoretically, like especially going back to that mindset. But I don't think VR accomplishes that. I don't, you know, I don't think it. Like it just makes you feel shorter. I don't know what it really does. She does like that body switch and becomes a child, and then her life is hell because she's forced to go back to middle school, and then it turns out to be just as hellish as she remembers it to be. And so the movie is not really at all convincing that childhood is like some magical time, unless I guess you restrict the definition of childhood from like age zero to 10 or something. Right. Yeah. And she can't drive a car, which when you're actually a child, I guess is not a real concern, but when you're an adult in a child's body is extremely limiting. Um, yeah. I think the movie lacks that moment where um, she realizes the, the value of childhood, which is fine, but it, it kind of, muddles the, the message um, that that doesn't become the moral of, of the movie, really. We do get fun scenes, though. For example, we have Rachel Dratch guest starring as a uh, social services, worker. Um, she's only in the movie very briefly. She basically has one scene in which she shows up and says, I heard that there is a child here who's being <laughs> neglected. Uh, and of course, it's it's Jordan who doesn't need supervision because she's actually an adult, but uh, April has to pose as her aunt and she has to enroll her in school. And I thought this was such a waste of Rachel Dretch, who is usually very funny and plays this role as a little bit quirky, but I think didn't make full use of her talents. Yeah, but what project makes full use of Rachel Dretch's talents? Yeah. One where she plays every part. <laughs> well, I think it's it's just it, it speaks to her um, place in Hollywood. Like like Ingu said, there there's it's probably not as easy for her to get the roles that she wants to or that that she um, would be good for. So I'm like, yeah, it's good to see her. It it sucks that um, she didn't have a better part. But <laughs> I also just thought the character was bland. And kind of a loose end. There are a lot of loose ends oh, in this totally. movie, which is not to say that uh, it was a bad movie. I actually really enjoyed it. But Rachel Dratch just kind of disappears. There's a teacher at the middle school who uh, young Jordan flirts with heavily. And is it's kind of an awkward scene uh, with her hot teacher. <laughs> and he basically disappears. There are a lot of loose ends here. Oh, yeah. And just the whole thing with... Um, Everyone pretending that the child version of Jordan is her daughter. So then a lot of people think she has a daughter and maybe she also has an uncle and Issa Rae is the aunt. I don't think they really solve for for that. Like, oh, never mind. We were all lying and, and that child died. Like, theoretically, Ra Rachel, <laughs> Rachel Dratt should come back and, and be like, that child disappeared. Like, you're arrested for murder. But I... I agree with Marissa that that was somehow fine for me. <laughs> I didn't mind. <laughs> Can we talk about the character of Jordan when she's initially played by Regina Hall? We've talked about like how she's kind of like a demon lady. Um, 
But I really want to talk about her apartment. Oh, yes. I love the apartment. (laughs) The apartment is one of those, like, rom-com, like, gigantic apartment, um, apartments, I guess. Um, I think there's two things to note here. One, she has sort of, like, a black Siri who is played by um, Tracy Ellis Ross, who is Marseille Martin's co-star on Blackish. And then the other thing that like really was noticeable for me was that I counted that she has three different portraits of herself. And, uh, I just basically want to say that I hope like the trope of like signaling that a character is bad or evil because they have a painting of themselves in their own house. I hope this trope never dies because I really loved all three of those. Oh, okay. I'm glad you liked it because I was about to say, no, don't say you hate that trope. I love it. So I wrote a post on Slate sort of about that trope, but the, the extra level of it is that often it's an Andy Warhol style portrait. So I was so impressed by the set decoration in the apartment that the the portraits were sort of cool and they didn't go the Andy Warhol way. They they did a new spin on it, which I, I love when they do the Warhol style portraits too. It communicates what it needs to, but it's a, it's a little done. So I, I love the style of these. In one of them, she had like purple hair. They, they were just like pretty illustrations. I would hang those portraits of Regina Hall in my home. I wonder if Regina Hall gets to keep them. Like, do you get to take that home? I bet she does. What else would they do with them? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and yes, uh, the so the Siri in the movie is called Homegirl, and um, I thought it was a nice Easter egg that they got Tracy Ellis Ross, you know, her to do the voice, and they didn't make a big thing of it, but then, then if you noticed, you noticed. And also just the shape of it. It wasn't sort of the little speaker-looking thing that we've become used to with um, the Echo or the Google Home. It, it sort of looked like a... A lady, and instead of saying "play a song," you say um, "homegirl." Give me a vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's been a really good year for fictional AI in terms of like Ophelia in Us, who's kind of the ripoff Alexa, who is useless in the face of horror, and now Homegirl. I'm interested to see if I, I almost wish the movie had used Homegirl. Instead of the app as the magical project that was going to save everything. Yeah, because it's implied that she is going to sell it and Homegirl is like this prototype. And then they never go anywhere with it. Which is like another weird little loop. Yeah, I think there was a missed opportunity. Of, you know, the rom-com trope of like an answering machine message going awry. There should have been that with Homegirl. I, that would have been really fun. <laughs> Yeah, mostly Homegirl is there to provide music and occasionally commentary. Uh, It also, the setup of this apartment is conducive to when Jordan's, I don't know what to call him, boy toy comes by. Boy toy is accurate. They're not really in a relationship. (laughs) We show him literally being pushed out of the apartment at one point in the beginning before she turns little. Um, But he returns to find little Jordan and just assumes that this is Jordan's daughter. And that is in fact why she's been so closed off with him. And he really embraces (laughs) the role of fatherhood uh, without ever talking to grown up Jordan about it. Like he just starts spending time with her supposed child. And then at the end, when she becomes a grown woman again, how is she going to explain that actually 
I was a 13-year-old for three days. Yeah, they um, just skip over that. <laughs> <laughs> he just seems to accept it. I guess there was an off-camera conversation in which she either had to say, I was 13, or some comical misunderstanding took place, and now our relationship is based on a lie. It's pretty bleak. The implications <laughs> of these kinds of movies are kind of bleak. There were a few scenes, too, where, I mean, Marseille Martin is very funny and plays the 40-year-old version of herself as flirtatious. You know, she checks out a lot of guys, but this also creates some awkward moments. I mean, we talked about the, there's a scene with a teacher where... The teacher is um, the... One of the brothers from This Is Us, um, which I was so embarrassed about because when he came on screen, I was like, oh, my God, he's so hot. And then I was like, ew, it's the guy from This Is Us. (laughs) Justin Um, Hartley is his name. Yes. So Issa Rae's character, April, flirts with him, which is appropriate. She just kind of flirts with everyone and and drops it. I love how horny she is in this movie. It's cute. Um, But then the the funny thing, or I thought it was funny when... um, young Jordan flirts with him because it was so inappropriate. I thought she did a great job with it. And and she just seemed so like flirty and she was looking at him like a piece of meat, but she's 13 years old. But then, you know, he he realized and it it got a little um, inappropriate. It's another thing where when you think it out, you're like, ooh, I don't know about that. (laughs) I think one of the Time, the times when I most appreciated Marseille Martin's performance in this movie is when she is sort of like salivating after these grown men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on one hand, like gross, but like on the other hand, I was so impressed by her ability to channel this like, I'm a strong broad and I want me a piece of that. Like that type of like, uh, like very like mature sexuality for a 13 or 14 year old to um, embody. I thought that was like very impressive. I thought so too, because I, I think, you know, at that age, do you even understand what you're going for? Like it it could be just such a, I don't know, caricature. And I really saw that in, um, I just remember this, this smile and batting her lashes look she gave to the teacher. And I was like, same. Yes. <laughs> Even like flirty. It was like this like man eater kind of like almost Rue McClanahan kind of like role. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, I was not really expecting her to be to pull it off as well as she did. So I was really like surprised in a good way. I think she carried a lot of this movie. I think Issa Rae did a good job, too, of providing the reactions. But one thing I did quibble with is I felt that Jordan didn't have a consistent characterization. So at the beginning, she's kind of a control freak. She's physically abusive. She's verbally abusive. (laughs) Later, though, when she's a kid, I mean, she gets drunk at a restaurant and dances on the bar and sings a song. As a 13-year-old. As a 13-year-old. But to me, that just didn't jibe with what we'd seen of grown-up Jordan, whose problem seemed to be keeping control. And it wasn't her child self. It wasn't like connecting to childhood. I mean, she got wasted and was being inappropriate with people. I think it made sense in that she probably thought she could drink more than she could. And then, like, her 13-year-old body sort of, like, 
caught up with her inability to like metabolize alcohol or something. That's true. And I would add that I love the song they did. I I think it's I'm Going Down by Mary J. Blige. Good song. <laughs> they were they definitely pulled out a lot of the like song and dance numbers for in this movie. There's like that sort of lip synky like Issa Rae and Marseille Martin have this kind of like duet, the Mary J. Blige duet. Yes. And then later, um, the boy toy comes back and is kind of doing his, like, seductive nighttime dance for Jordan, or he thinks he is. And then it turns out she's not really there, quote-unquote. Oh, yeah, that that dance was great. (laughs) And then there's, like, a talent show performance. And so this movie really wants to give you, like, as much confection as it can think of. Yeah, I liked the so-called gratuitous karaoke moment at the bar. I thought that was a good bonding moment for Jordan and April and the first point where their relationship becomes something other than adversarial. Um, What did we think of Jordan interacting with the middle school kids? So I would say that one thing I really did end up appreciating about the movie, despite it's like super formulaic plotting, is I felt like it actually hit the emotional beats it was supposed to. Um, I would say I really did not love this movie. I think it was like, filmmaking-wise, it felt a little shoddy. Um, And it's by a first-time director, Tina Gordon. But, so, April and Jordan start off as, like, boss and assistant, right? Where April is... um, Jordan's terrified assistant and basically wants listens to these like meditation apps that are called like so you want to punch your boss in the head or something something (laughs) which is also like a really good app joke and so what ends up happening is that April it turns out is like a little bit too shy to stand up for herself especially to her very scary boss and of course Jordan needs to soften soften a little and what ends up happening when April what ends up happening when Jordan becomes small and April stops being afraid of Jordan is that April learns to sort of take more charge of herself and Jordan learns how to become a mentor to a employee that she really did not believe in and I thought like that particular those particular character journeys were really well done and when Jordan finally finally reveals to April why she became this like hard shell like version of herself because she was basically like afraid of judgment and so she decided to become like the judge jury and executioner in her life um, you can see that like April is really understanding, and I thought like all of those emotional beats worked really, really well. Yeah, I agree that especially if you look at the individual characters, it worked really well. And you can also see, even though we really only see Jordan as a teenager, and then we cut right to her as an adult, there is sort of an implied like she needed to be tough to get ahead in her business because we see with the sort of tech bro client who threatens to drop them as an agency he shares his so-called struggle and it's like oh his father only gave him half five five million when he wanted 10 million for to get started (laughs) and he had to go ask grandmother and grandfather for the rest and 
I mean, we see how well Jordan is able to keep her cool with him. It's not that she's a she's not a bully in every aspect of her life, but she's clearly had to be tough and has actually struggled in a way that other people in her industry have not. So that worked for me really well. What I didn't see in the movie, which I would have liked to have seen, is a little more of the interrogation of the idea that people lash out and are mean to protect themselves. We see that with Jordan, but we don't really see that with the other bully in the movie when she's at the middle school. There's like a cheerleader, classic mean girl type who torments her and torments a lot of the other kids who are the outcasts for various reasons. Um, she has no explanation, no backstory. There's never really a moment where the two of them have an actual conversation. She's kind of just used for plot purposes. And so I wish the movie had stretched it a little further to just explain that character to me. Like, she's just mean for the sake of being mean. But the whole movie is about a mean woman who became mean for good reasons. Not good reasons, but understandable reasons. I feel like it's implied that, like, that mean girl will one day also realize what she did. I think the thing that I really wanted a little bit more from the movie in terms of character development was... I feel like they sort of tiptoe around this idea that, like, not only do they feel these this pressure to become, like, a strong woman, but, like, a strong black woman. And this idea that, like, if you're supposed to sort of, like, embody this role, then there are trade-offs that you might not anticipate, like becoming harder or more brittle than you want to be or that you ever thought you would be. And I feel like they kept sort of, like dancing around the idea but then they never actually got into it and so that for me was a little disappointing i would go a step further i think in a lot of ways they rejected that idea from the outset by showing her as a child deciding to become a bully in life i guess i don't really understand the connective tissue between those two ideas it seemed to me that she as a child she's bullied by basically another white cheerleader girl And in response to that, she decides to become that archetype and to be tough and be the first one to bully people before they can bully her. So you feel like it does get into it? I think so. But at the same time, it it sort of does raise the question, especially when she's at the middle school and she's supposed to be a 40-year-old in the body of a preteen. And she's at first trying to rise above it and, and be a little bit superior because she's a grown woman, but she does get sucked into the middle school drama. Like at no point does the movie really ask itself, why are these teen, these teen bullies the way that they are already? Did they also have these moments? I think for me, it would have just resonated a little more emotionally if we had seen something to hint at that. Right. To give a humanity to all of the bullies instead of just the, like the shrew or trying to correct right exactly i mean she also we see one of the indicators that the body switch has occurred is that she needs glasses again so implying that she got lasik at some point and has completely transformed herself mm-hmm. i really there was like a very like quick throwaway joke where she wakes up as like the 13 year old and then talks about how she doesn't have like the perfect teardrop boobs that she had purchased Right, the Um, natural boobs that she purchased. (laughs) (laughs) 
And she was like, oh my God, like where did my $15,000 go? Um, and it seemed like a little racy for this movie, but it gives you such a perfect like little peek into this woman's brain that she is so focused on being perfect that like she's gonna go out and buy her boobs um and then gets like really angry when they're taken away from her i just thought that was like very smart i I, and i think there's like a bunch of like little things where she talks about like how much she appreciates her own appearance and i couldn't tell whether that was sort of like uh, the character's satisfaction in herself or the character's, like, part of, like, her terrible narcissistic cruelty. Um, because I think there were moments where Regina Hall does try to show you that Jordan, in spite of being, like, a caricature of a nasty boss, is also, like, a real person. Um, and I couldn't really tell what the movie was trying to do with that. Yeah, I I think that her characterization as an adult, as I said, is inconsistent in some ways. Like it's all over the place. She's a pastiche of nightmare bosses, and Regina Hall plays that the best she can. But I just think if the writing had been a little bit tighter, we might have had a better sense of her. I will say that the boob scene reminded me of the reverse of Thirteen Going on Thirty. There's a great scene where. Jennifer Garner grabs her chest and is like, because I have these great boobs to fill out the dress. (laughs) Um, Well, this is also kind of a good fashion movie, I would say. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Regina Hall's outfits and to some extent Issa Rae's outfits. And and there's a a great scene with um, that big pink suit that young Jordan wears when, when she's confident again on like her second day of school that there's an amazing closet. So definitely um, some outfits to scope in this movie she makes over the other outcasts at the middle school too with a good eye for like an adult aesthetic rather than just what middle schoolers think is cool even though it makes no sense that she would have boys clothing in her closet marissa and i discussed this and we're like forget it It, it's little (laughs) We, we do see shopping bags all over the place so there's maybe a cut montage of shopping that they decided would be better in that magnificent closet that they put together. She also looks adorable in just the overalls that Issa Rae buys her, though, even though she says, like, even though I guess they're meant to read as as corny in some way. I'm going to really disagree here. I think the costuming in this movie was, like, batshit. I do agree that, like, the children's costumes, especially this, like, pink plaid, like, pantsuit, basically, that she wears to school as a 13 year old i do think that was like a really great move but uh, i don't know like i could not figure out what what was going on with the clothes in this movie there's like a (laughs) early scene where regina hall on like the first day of work that we see her going to wears this like blue striped uh button-up shirt that is weird back there's like a piece of like white fabric just hanging off the back and then her biggest client is like do you know you have like three napkins hanging off the back of your shirt but he was Uh, wearing a weird shirt in that scene too it it was just a weird shirt scene (laughs) but go on (laughs) yeah but I just felt like there's like also like a makeover that like April has because April, when she decides that she is going to be the replacement boss while uh, Jordan goes to school, 
decides to get dressed up in Jordan's clothes because she's like, well, there's only one way to be a female leader and it is doing it Jordan's way. And so she gets dressed up uh, in what the movie calls like, you know, like Cookie from Empire. And like, I don't know, it had like this like very big split down the front of the dress, but then there was also like a big split um, in the front of the skirt, which is this like gold pleather metallic like shiny skirt. And then there's like a little mini skirt hiding under like the bigger skirt. And I don't know, like I just thought like the clothes were crazy in this movie. And like maybe like you want some sort of crazy, but I couldn't tell if it was like, again, if she was supposed to be fashionable or if she was supposed to look insane. (laughs) Isn't the point, though, that she can wear whatever she wants because she's in charge? That's how I took it, especially that outfit you're talking about that April was wearing. You're right that it was wild. And I don't know that she was supposed to pull it off because those weren't her clothes. That's not who she is. Yeah, but I feel like the outfit should make sense, at least. At least for Jordan. Yeah, I I know what you mean. I think I I thought it was a good visual joke when um, the little Jordan wakes up in those silk pajamas and like they're supposed to be baggy on you, but they're like way too baggy on her. And then I love the sort of like sweater set from the end um, that little Jordan wears when she goes to the talent show. It's like a black sweater and black um pants that are made of sweater material and they match and they might have like like hearts and stars on them or, or some sort of pattern that she does the dance in yeah and then when she becomes an adult she wakes up in them oh yeah and stretches them out that was that was good too <laughs> um i realized we never we didn't mention how um, th- this happens. I was just about to bring that up. Yes. We went. You know what? It's not how the reason that she becomes little is so contrived and such a plot convenience that I didn't think about it for most of the movie. So she, there's a donut truck outside of Jordan's company, and Jordan hates carbs because that is a sign in movies that someone is not very nice when they hate carbs. Also in real life. Also in real life. Um, And so I I didn't quite understand. Maybe you guys can help me puzzle this out. So the owner of the donut truck has a, like, 13-year-old child. Who doesn't go to school. Who doesn't go to school because she's being bullied. And she likes magic. And presumably that is why she's being bullied. Um, so she is performing magic tricks and they're not very good and she has a wand and she at some point is inside the tech startup and she runs into Jordan as an adult and Jordan calls her a fire hazard (laughs) and she specifically wishes that Jordan would become little and then is not seen for most of the movie. Apparently this donut truck the business model is that it is untraceable <laughs> and it is impossible for them to find it except once a year it goes for an inspection. How can you run a business this way? What is happening? Yeah, that donut truck would totally be posting on Instagram like, find us here today. There, there would be no mystery as to where it is. Um, it's 
almost funny how like cartoonish Jordan is in her hatred for the child. She she's just says to her like magic isn't real and just all these like outlandish things that like no grown up would would say to a kid. She also makes a really nasty remark to her neighbor in the building who has a child about oh, you know, your kid's transitioning. And, oh yeah. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's a piece of work. But I, I don't think, I mean, it's a plot convenience, but is it any sillier, really, than any of these movies? Like, is it sillier than The Fortune Cookie and Freaky Friday or Zoltar and Big? I will say that Zoltar has just, like, a a visual interest and also just a feel of... I, I prefer Zoltar to the to the little girl with the wand. Mm. It, it made the movie just more resonant and movie-ish, I guess. My big question is, why did this trick work and none of her other tricks work? Is she magic? Or was it just like the karma of the universe converged at this one moment when she pointed her wand? Yeah, th- I mean, that is totally not addressed. <laughs> because, I mean, with, with Zoltar, you kind of at least know the, for lack of a better word, mythology that's causing what's happening. Yeah, it, it's just like a slightly more magical, haunted world. And and this, the only magical thing about it is this one girl, this one time. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, when she performs the trick again to try to make Jordan big, it seemingly does not work. And she does wake up the next morning, but she doesn't, when she's first turned little, there's she feels something to the point where it freaks her out but the second time she doesn't feel anything she just wakes up the next morning so it's kind of like did the little girl turn her back or was it just because she learned her lesson <laughs> and it, the movie needed she to end hit herself on the head or and that might have happened too and affected it I, in movies people are always hitting themselves on the head and it causes something <laughs> can we talk about how terrible like the ending of this movie was um i think that there's like a point about 80 percent of the way through the movie where she learns her lesson and then we get all of the emotional beats and we're ready for jordan to go back to normal and then the movie just keeps dragging and, <laughs> and dragging out the ending to the point where I, there were like three different scenes that could have been the ending of the movie Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I also had that feeling of like, okay, credits are going to roll. Wait, nope, we're not done. Where do you think it should have ended, Ingu? I think I okay. So if this movie was going to hew perfectly to formula, there was a scene where Issa, where sorry, where April with her uh, pitch was going to save the company. Um, and basically the client is like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> and then everyone has a happy ending. And instead, it psychs you out. So then the client like doesn't even bother to listen to the pitch, walks out, and then you think the company is imperiled and all of that was for nothing. And then you get this like weird little epilogue where essentially Jordan has finally sold that idea. Um by herself, doesn't tell anyone in the company, and then she yells at everyone to come out to the parking lot or whatever, like the entryway to the building. 
And then she essentially like says, I have saved this company and then <laughs> add the word and associates to the name of the company. So it's like her name uh, and then and associates. But then you get like this weird joke about how she adds the words associates in like a little, little, little tiny circle in her logo. And so I guess the joke is that like she has changed like 2% of herself and not like 50% of herself. And so it like basically really undoes like all of this emotional satisfaction that the movie goes for. I Yeah, I would agree with all of that. And I would add also that April does undergo a little emer- emotional journey of her own. Oh, we skip three months at some point, right? Right. There is a they, there is a time jump in that time. But so after her pitch is rejected at the meeting, which was, I thought, actually kind of a fun <laughs> twist on the classic like rom-com work plot where it's thematically tied in. Because you expect when April says, oh, seeing the world through the eyes of a child. And you're like, oh, that's the theme of the movie. <laughs> Do you think it's going to be resolved? I mean, isn't it romantic just did this mm-hmm. in a very on the nose way about making parking garages pretty? Um, go check out that other spoiler special. <laughs> but I thought that was a fun twist. And then April says she's going to pitch the idea 16 more times or something like that, echoing something that Jordan had said earlier about her own persistence. And then you're right. It jumps in time and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we sold the thing. Also, April has a boyfriend now. Also, yeah, the there, movie's ending. There was a guy at work that she had been flirting with kind of the whole time and w- was too wimpy to say anything to. And, and we see them kiss um, at the end as if they've been together for a while, like a routine kiss. But we don't find out, you know, what happened there. No, we don't see her take her power and actually go for it. The same thing with selling the app. Like it's all off. It's in that time jump that we don't see. Right. Um, I think I'll defend the and associates joke a, a little bit. I don't think it undoes the whole movie. I think I think it's it's funny. It's certainly on a big yeah. laugh in our theater. <laughs> um, I think it's funny, but it ultimately just does a disservice to the movie. I thought the thing that was like after that, how she so she also brings a donut truck to celebrate with the employees and then the, the middle school kids come and the the fairy girl comes and they all like dance together like that. That was a little <laughs> um, corny to see. At she end. likes carbs now, Ingu. Surely that counts for more than a 2% personality change. <laughs> I don't think you see her eating a donut. It's just that she will now tolerate the presence of a donut. in Oh, her- yeah. How upset were you guys at the beginning of the movie when she threw out a whole box of donuts or maybe multiple boxes of donuts? She just sweeps them into the trash. That that was like a tragic moment to me. That was the real <laughs> villainy. It was. <laughs> no donuts were harmed in the making of this film. Um. And I guess we didn't talk about her middle school friends that much. Should, should Is there a lot to say about them? I thought they were really underdeveloped, which is maybe necessary to sell Marseille as the adult. Like, how much acting can they really do when they're supposed to be ordinary kids? Mm-hmm. I thought they were all good. Um, one of them has a stutter, but not when he sings. I mean, this is like probably too much of a nitpick, but the idea that them performing in the talent show would would change everything and show everyone that they are cool and they will have friends. Like, what was that? 
Um, I don't know that the movie was trying to say that. I thought they were performing in the talent show like they thought they would become cool. Mm-hmm. But the movie never really accepted that as reality. It was more they were having fun. And then Jordan was like, no, you cannot do this. But it's why social would they suicide. even think that? I don't know. They're kids. Oh, there's a lot of. I really enjoyed this movie, but there's a lot of hand waving involved that, to yeah. make it work. So the thing with the kids is that I I I think it's actually very smart for this like 38 year old woman to be forced to go back to middle school to be humiliated back into being like a decent person, even though that whole thing did not work out for her when she was 13 and actually turned her evil. But it's the second time that you take the medicine that it works, right? So she goes back to her old middle school and she goes to the cafeteria where she has to find a seat. And there's this whole thing where she goes into the cafeteria. She's super, she has like her Birkin bag, like in (laughs) like the crook of her her elbow and she's like hyper confident that none of these kids are going to get to her and then she tries to sit somewhere in like at any lunch table and essentially ends up like being completely laughed at because a bunch of kids have been throwing like tossing straws into her hair which she did not know so they're all laughing at her and eventually she ends up at the losers table who are the only nice kids and they become her friend and essentially she decides that even though they seem determined to humiliate themselves in front of the rest of the school, she is going to give them a makeover so that they will become more popular. Um, it was like a little bit sad to me that like the moral of the less like the moral of like that portion of the movie was like if you have enough money to look good on Instagram then like you will become popular um <laughs> because, but they like, weren't happy Ingu <laughs> much like the people who don't eat carbs it was like it was all false social media nonsense I feel like the movie definitely refuted that idea like they looked cool and they had followers on social but the movie doesn't accept that that's like an okay way to be but how how are their problems solved then is it through just jordan's dance at at the talent show or um they they do seem happier by the end of the movie and i think fashion the their makeovers were a part of that And I do think that the point with the uh, school talent show was that Jordan thought that whatever they were going to do was, like, going to be really idiotic. And then it turned out, like, the loser kids were, like, slightly cooler than what Jordan thought they were going to do. And so it ended up being that Jordan had wildly miscalculated based on her own projections of her nerdy teenage self what these kids were going to do when in fact, like they're actually not as big a loser as she had thought. That's interesting. Cause that's like the redemption of her own middle school performance in which she actually did have a very cool talent or 
she had a cool knowledge of physics, I should say, because she can't. I don't think she can rightfully be responsible for what she actually did. And it, so, in an alternate universe, if that had gone well, she would have been cool if a bully had not sabotaged her. That's that really muddles the messaging a lot and goes back to the idea of like, why was this one original girl a bully and set her on this path? This movie is not coherent. <laughs> it's not coherent, but it is very, very fun. Uh, Heather, Ingu, thank you for spoiling Little with me. Thank you. It was a small pleasure. <laughs> and thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the Slate Spoiler Special Podcast feed. And if you like the show, rate and review it in the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions for movies or TV shows we should spoil, or if you have any other feedback you'd like to share, please send it to spoilers at slate.com. Our producer is Danielle Hewitt. Our engineer is Merritt Jacob. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.